Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, what's cracking, everybody? Welcome to our Week 7 Sell High episode of Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Vespris, and a very happy, what is it today, Wednesday? Doesn't matter. This show hopefully will have a shelf life of more than one day. Guess we'll see. You can find me on social at Dan Vespris. Please, friends, if you're catching us for the first time, like and subscribe something to something. I don't know. I'll get my verbs and prepositions and etc. I'll get it all right. Either way, you guys get the gist. Please do sort of put a... It doesn't even have to be a real coin in the coffer. It's just like an effort coin. I need an effort coin from you, whatever that might be. Um, Today, we only have three names, and they're a little bit weird, actually, because... Look, here's the thing. As the season goes, there are going to be fewer and fewer players that consensus is going to uh, believe the wrong thing. At the beginning of the year, you have a ton. A lot of guys that are overperforming, small sample size theater. Underperforming, same kind of thing. So we have tons of names. Five, six, seven names at a time, sometimes. But as guys come back to where they belong, they're just not going to be on the list anymore. And also, I feel like certain guys, even though they're in the sell-high universe, like, say, one of my favorite players to roster in fantasy, Brooke Lopez, yeah, he's probably a sell-high at number 21, but what are you going to get for him? Herb Jones, same general story. These low-scoring, high-ranking guys who are there because of defense and percentages, you're not going to get back a good return on those dudes. So even though they are technically sell-high guys, there's no point in doing it. Which makes it very hard to isolate a true list of sell-high players once you're two months into the season. And we're not quite that, but we're getting there. So now we pivot into some different things. Little things, reasons to sell guys that maybe are still kind of in that small sample size universe, even though we're farther into the season. You'll see what I mean by that in a minute. And then guys where I feel like maybe you can lock in some value, whatever that might be, for one particular reason. So let's go ahead and just embark upon that right now. Here is your Week 7 sell-high board. Trying to decide where I want to put my face here for this broadcast. You know what? I'll go to the side. We'll go side, because it makes my face just the tiniest bit larger. Chat room is open, although I don't think we'll be doing questions on this one, but feel free to talk about Talk amongst yourselves, as the, uh, there was a Mike Myers character on Saturday Night Live. First name on the list, and this is, honestly, this is probably your best one, uh, but I guess you could debate it with the second name, and it's Donovan Mitchell, who 
I actually like a lot this year, and you guys probably remember during the run-up to the season, I called him what I thought was a very safe middle-of-the-second-round pick. Because, by all accounts, his role was going to be pretty much the same year over year, last season to this season. He shot out of his mind from the field last year at 48%. I thought, okay, there's a reasonable chance that that number comes down. He was above his career mark in field goal percent and three-point percent and free throw percent, mind you, although that one certainly wasn't by quite as large of a margin. The assists were down a little bit last year because he's playing alongside Darius Garland instead of in Utah where he was both the shooting guard and the point guard pretty much all the time. Sorry, Mike Conley, you didn't get to really do anything until Donovan left. And so last year ended up being this massive season. He was, I think, number like 14 at the end of the year on a per-game basis. It was, it was fantastic. It was marvelous. He was number 15 on Basketball Monster. Last year he was at 28 points, four boards, four and a half assists, one and a half steals. Like, everything was great. So coming into this season, the thought was you take Donovan Mitchell somewhere near where he finished last year. The floor is very, very high because he's Donovan Mitchell. He's going to get a, a crap ton of usage. He's probably going to miss a handful of games because he's, I don't want to say long in the tooth, but he's not a young buck by NBA standards anymore. But at least you knew that like a worst case scenario for him was just inside the top 30. That would have been a really bad season for Donovan Mitchell. And if you take him at 16, 17, 18, something like that, ending up at 30 is not going to ruin your team. And a lot of what we try to do at the beginning of drafts is take guys that aren't going to ruin your team unless you get stuck in kind of a weird draft position and then, you know, you're forced to take a slightly bigger swing. But if you were a mid-first rounder and you had a shot to get Donovan Mitchell in the middle of the second round, it seemed like a very reasonable thing to do. As it's turned out through the first couple of months, ignoring the injury stuff, which I get it is not easy to do. He missed whatever it was, four or five ball games already. But he's played in 15, which is not like a back-breakingly low number. He's been, by all accounts, better than last year. Field goal percent is back down near his career mark, but his free throw number is uh, setting records for himself right now. He's at six free throws a game, and he's at 90% on those. It's the most free throws he's taken. Uh, well, let's see. I guess we could try to pull up the full career numbers, but certainly the most free throws he's taken since he's been in Cleveland and the most he's taken in something like seven or eight years. That's as far back as my calendar goes right now. He got six. He's at 6.1. He had six in Utah right before he got traded, basically. But he's never been at 90% before. Mid-80s consistently for the last three or four years. Low 80s before that. Always been a good foul shooter, but right now he is going nuts at the free throw line. So all this stuff is good. Scoring is down by about one point year over year, but a lot of that's because the field goal percent is uh, back down where we kind of expected it to be. But the usage is actually higher this season. Some of that was because Darius Garland missed a couple of ball games. Some of that is just like the natural ebb and flow of a season. But the reason that I have uh, Donovan Mitchell on the sell high board is mostly because of one statistical category, with an honorable mention to free throw percent. Which, by the way, he could just have a really good free throw shooting year. Even then, 90% feels like a little bit of a stretch, but you never know. So, thought is, free throw percent probably comes down from 90, which, again, not that far, but even 87% does make a difference in his value. 
I don't think the field goal percent is changing all that much. I feel like last year was probably more the anomaly than the norm. So what we're focusing on right now, forget this slight uptick in usage. Let's assume that that levels off as Darius Garland now settles in and, and he's healthy, is the defensive stats. Because never in Donovan Mitchell's career has he averaged as many defensive stats as he's averaging right now. That's the thing that I really want you guys to hang on to. He is at 2.1 steals and 0.5 blocks. That's 2.6 together. It's fairly simple math, so we don't need to get too much into that. But it's always, it's kind of hard. Uh, it's not difficult to remember, but... Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. It's Sometimes it's hard to remember how much defensive stats can impact a, a player's fantasy rank. I mean, looking at Herb Jones and Brooke Lopez is a, a great example of how defensive stats can launch a player all the way up the board without doing a whole lot of anything else. Again, I love those guys, but that's kind of what's going on there. For Donovan Mitchell, um, he's been in the NBA for what, like six, seven years now? By the way, it feels like he's been around longer than that, doesn't it? He's drafted in 2017. Anyway, it feels like he's been around forever. He hasn't been around forever. Uh, Utah for five seasons, now Cleveland for two. Point is, he's never... In his career, been higher than 1.9, and that was last season, which is part of the reason that he was able to push his way up the board last year. 
because he was pretty consistently between 1.2 and 1.7 combined defensive stats in Utah, jumped up to 1.9. That was a combo career best. And now this year, 2.6, way out in front of anything he's done before. Could he somehow manage to hold above two steals a ball game? Anything's possible. Truly, anything's possible. But it's not probable. The scoring seems fine. The rebounds seem fine. The assists, maybe they taper off a tiny bit. Again, that's the Darius Garland effect. Free throws, I do still think they come down a little bit, but we can't really guarantee that. We can almost guarantee that the defensive stats are going to come down because he's at a career high in blocks right now, which again, I know 0.5 career high previously was 0.4. Doesn't seem like all that much, but you know, 8 to 10 blocks over the course of a season actually does matter, and it factors into your fantasy rank. But the steals is the big one. He's basically half a steal above any season he's had before. Two steals a week over an entire season. We're talking about 30, 40, 50 steals over the course of a year. That feels unlikely to stick. Mostly because, I mean, how many guys actually average two steals a ballgame most years? Not many. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the only player in the NBA averaging more steals per game than Donovan Mitchell, who's actually played in some ballgames. Marcus Smart, who's out, he was at two. Anthony Simons played one ball game, so that one had nothing to do with anything. And then Jalen Suggs, who I think we can all agree is one of the best, most disruptive perimeter defenders in the NBA right now, he's at 1.9. Donovan Mitchell is fine on defense. He's never been a great defender. And so this is a number that we just know is going to come down because he's mostly been at 1.9. 0 to 1.5 in that department. He was at 1.5 with the Cavs last year, so maybe we assume that that repeats itself. And when it does, this is a very long explanation to get to this, when it does, when his free throw percent levels a little bit, when his steals and blocks level a little bit, he's not going to fall that far because his other stuff is still excellent. But if you take everything that he did last year and remove the field goal percent element from it, even if you add the free throw percent, he still ends up in the second round. Which doesn't feel like that many slots. I get it. Moving from number six down to like number 14, which is what I have on the screen here for, for those watching the video. That's not that far. But eight slots at the top of the board, moving from number six down to number 14, is the equivalent of moving from like number 25 to number 50. The drop-offs are just larger for each individual player at the top of the board. So what I would suggest doing, and this, you know, again, you're splitting hairs a little bit here. If you love Donovan Mitchell, it's totally fine to just ride him out. It's not like he's going to fall off a cliff. He's just going to level as we go. But he's been so good so far that you could probably get someone else who has more, I don't want to say bona fide mid-first-round appeal, but just a safer top-10 type of guy I think Donovan Mitchell's been good enough to where that could actually work. Someone like a Steph Curry, who's behind Donovan Mitchell right now, mostly because his steals are low at the moment, but I get the feeling that those two guys are probably going to flip places between now and the end of the year. Donovan Mitchell at 6 or 7, Steph is at like 13. They probably flip. Why? Well, Uh, Like I said, I think Donovan's steals come down. I think Luka probably slows as the year goes. Tyrese Maxey, Scotty Barnes, Chet Holmgren, Lowry Market, and all these guys are going to slow a little bit as the season goes on. Even Devin Booker, if Bradley Beal ever plays, 
That'll allow Steph to move up the board. Donovan Mitchell will just sort of slide with these other guys, and Damian Lillard's going to move up, and Kawhi's going to move up, and blah, 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 blah. And guys just sort of find their way. So again, you're not like, you're not trying to lock in like a top 25 type of value because Donovan Mitchell is better than that. But it does feel like he's ripe to drop about seven, eight slots as the numbers level off. And if you can use him to get a guy drafted mid-first round, just one of them bona fides, I think I would do it. But again, we're talking kind of around the edges. It's a little bit fringy. I get it. This isn't the easiest show to do right now. Next name on the list is C.J. McCollum, and I have questions on how the universe sees him at the moment. But I do know that his top 15 ranking right now is not going to hold. And this one is a much easier call to make because a lot of stuff happening with C.J. is even farther out of the norm. And I shouldn't say a lot of stuff. It's kind of a few things with C.J. are much farther out of the norm. Where with Donovan Mitchell, it doesn't look like much, but half a steal is a big deal, and the free throw percent is a big deal. For McCollum it pretty much comes down to two categories, and they are the defensive ones. Because the interesting thing about C.J. McCollum is that he's pretty much done the exact same thing from a fantasy standpoint for eight consecutive years. There has almost never been a player more statistically consistent than C.J. McCollum. Go all the way back to 2015 in Portland. You want to hear his scoring every year since then? And remember, there was one season where he was traded, so you'll, you'll hear two numbers for that year. Uh, but 2015 in Portland, all the way to this season, 20.8, 23, 21.5, 21, 22.2, 23.1, 24.3. That was the half season in New Orleans. 20.5 was the first half of that season in Portland. 20.9 in New Orleans last year. And 20.7 in New Orleans this year. You want to hear CJ's rebounds over that stretch? 3.2, You want to hear his field goal percent over those eight years? 44.8, 48. Oh, what the hell happened that year? 44.3, 45.9, 45.1, 45.8, during the half season. That was the half in New Orleans where he was very hot. First half of that year, 43.6. Last year, 43.7. This year, 44.6. He is a pillar of consistency. We have seen his free throw percent sort of drop off the last four or five years. But even then, if you want to go to just free throw percent, you're talking four or five years, 75.7. There's a 70.6, a 76.9, a 77.8. It's crazy how consistent CJ McCollum has been in counting categories for almost a decade in a row. So when you see something that's unusual, you can feel pretty damn confident it's going to become usual. And right now for McCollum, much like with Donovan Mitchell, defensive stats are wacky. He's at a career-high 1.7 steals per ball game and at a career-high one block per game. But remember, oddities show up much more clearly when a player missed a bunch of time through the first two and a half or two months of the season, as McCollum has. He's only played nine games to this point. Nine blocks in nine games is a lot easier to get than 82 blocks in 82 games for a player like McCollum. He has uh, never posted more than 0.6 blocks per game during any extended run. 
And he's never posted more than 1.3 steals per game during any kind of extended run, which interestingly was his 26-game stretch after the trade in New Orleans where he didn't block a shot for two months straight. He's at 2.7 combined defensive steals per ball game in his career he has never been above 1.6. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so then the follow-up question is, Dan, what difference does that actually make? I mean, 2.7 to 1.6, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Well, I already told you what McCollum did last year, statistically, right? 21 points, 4.5 boards, 5.7 assists, almost three threes, 44 from the field, 77 at the free throw line, 2.4 turnovers, 1.4 defensive stats. And this year, he's at... 20.7 points, three threes, four assists, just about six or four rebounds, just about six assists, 44 and some odd from the field, 77 and some odd from the free throw line. Only 1.4 turnovers, by the way. I don't know what's going to happen with that number. I would assume it ticks up just a little bit, but 2.7 defensive stats. Do you know what his nine cat rank was last year? 88. And he's at 15 this year, basically on the shoulders of doubling his defensive stats. And shaving his turnovers by one. That also has played a role. Does that mean he's going to fall all the way to 88? No, not necessarily. That's not a, that's not a guarantee. We can't assume that, that, that it's going to come all the way back down. But I think it's pretty fair to assume it's going to come part of the way back down. And so for McCollum, as those things level off and everybody else in the league kind of finds their end point, he probably falls back towards 50. And I think even though it's only nine games, I feel like people have seen enough right now to say, ooh, this guy scores 21 points and he gets some boards and rebounds and steals and blocks and people are getting sort of all hopped up on the C.J. McCollum juice. I think you could probably get somebody in the 40 range for him. Who? I don't know. DeJounte Murray? Possibly. Tyler Hero, who's hurt? I don't know that that's one I would necessarily target. If someone's frustrated with Freddie Van Vliet, I would definitely do that. They shouldn't be, by the way. He's in the mid-40s, which is like six slots later than where he was drafted, but you never know. Um, could you get Jimmy Butler after a bad ball game? I doubt it, but it's worth a try. Sabonis, Miles Turner, Alperin Shengun, all of these guys I think I would rather have. Mikhail Bridges, probably a harder one to get. Jalen Brunson, I don't know how much deeper I'd go. But... Again, like, we've seen enough of McCollum, a decade to know that number isn't going to stick. Last name on the board, and this one's going to look super weird to the folks that are watching on the screen, is Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I listed, this is 9-cat rank is number 49, and his end target rank is also 49. And the reason I did that was to illustrate a point. Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a sell high because I think his numbers are going to fall off. In fact... I think he's playing pretty damn well right now. He's 54, by the way, on Basketball Monster. He's 49 on Yahoo. I do still think his steals come down, so perhaps I should have like just slightly adjusted his per-game rank, but it was to illustrate a point. The point here on Bogdan Bogdanovich is not to lock in a player with a better 
per game rank because of anything that's going to go wrong with Bogdan's game. 15 and some odd points, some threes, you know, good free throw percent. Like this stuff is all pretty repeatable for him. Besides the steals likely coming down from one and a half to more like one or 1.2. Yes, that's going to move him down the board. But more than anything, you're trying to lock in a player who doesn't have a lingering chronic knee issue. And we know this about Bogdan. At some point this year, that knee's going to knock him out. And we don't know when, and we don't know what it's going to start in terms of like a spiraling effect. Maybe he, he pushes it off. Maybe this is the year where he, he plays in more ball games than usual. But you have sort of a double whammy here of understanding that, yeah, even if the steals only come down from 1.5 to 1.2, that's still enough to push him a round or two down the board. And then the injury risk, that's around that. I mean, you can't really quantify that by round, but you can certainly qualify that by saying, look, I'd just rather have somebody who's nearby him in rank, even if it's a round or a round and a half deeper down the board, that I just trust to not have a chronic issue. D'Angelo Russell, about uh, eight to ten slots down the board. Rather have him. Terry Rozier, Daniel Gafford, DeMar DeRozan, Tobias Harris, Jared Allen, Vooch, Levine, if someone would give him up, I doubt, for Bogdan. Jakob Pertl. These are all guys that you, I think you can trust better to stay upright. Clint Capella. They're not ranked as high as Bogdan right now. Clint Capella is not exactly a pillar of health himself. But you just, like, you see where they are, and they're either at their floor or they're at their cruising speed. This is a harder one to pull off, I admit it, because he's still Bogdan Bogdanovich, and that's why I think you can look deeper. Don't try to get him for a, don't Don't try to flip him for another top 50 guy. Try to flip him for somebody who's a round to two rounds farther down the board. Someone will feel like maybe they're getting to trade up for somebody who's been better per game than the guy they're giving up. But you're getting rid of the guy who you know has a weird knee injury, and you know his steals are going to come down. Like, he's just not going to get that many playing the minutes he's at. He's out there to go to fire away. Offensively, he's got the full-on green light, but he's never been a one-and-a-half steals guy per game. And he's never been a fully healthy guy. And that's actually our show for this one, believe it or not. Only three players on the sell-high list. Again, I tried to find sell-high players that I thought you might be able to move for someone because there are all these names out there where I know analysts are like, sell-high on this guy, but it's like, can you? I'd love to sell high on Herb Jones, but like the world isn't going to give you what you'd want for him. So, okay, what do I do? And like, I'd love to sell high on Chet Holmgren, who probably doesn't finish at number 11 this year, but what are you going to get? Is somebody going to give you a top 15 guy back? Nah. Is someone going to give you top 20? Probably no. 25? Even that has a stretch. You could probably get top 30 back for Holmgren right now, but what the hell's the point? Just see what he does. Maybe he stays inside the top 25 all year. So you're not even locking in value with that. So assessing these sell highs, what is a sell high versus a buy low? What is there an actual point to doing it? That made it really hard for me to come up with this list because like, I, was, I was struggling, but then I was like, okay, I got a few here that we can kind of slice off a couple pieces of pie and see if we can turn it into something. 
No questions for our buy low, sell high shows, so that'll wrap it up. Want to remind everybody to check out our pals over at manscaped.com. Promo code there is ethos20, ethos20, to get 20% off and free shipping on your order with our friends at Manscaped. Check out the lawnmower, the handyman, or the shears. I love the shears because it's only 20 bucks, and you can get it for $4 off with our coupon and free shipping. Great presents for the holidays, man. Great presents. Also, uh, come hang with us in Discord. Please follow me over on social because we do a lot of stuff during the day that doesn't get ported into a show. And obviously, no matter where you're listening to or taking in this content, please either like it, subscribe it, or drop a five-star review on it. That's a pretty good thing, too. Thank you, guys. Love that effort coin. Don't need you to give me any money. Just need you to give me a little bit of effort, and then I'm feeling fine. We'll have our daily recap show coming up here in the next few minutes. Make sure to subscribe to the page so you can get that, and I'll talk to you then. So long for a moment. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.